Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, we're getting close to the holidays. Uh, well, actually, I guess we're in the holiday season. We've had Cyber Monday, Black Friday, uh, Turkey th- Thursday. Uh, but now comes the real time. Uh, it's estimated that uh, 40% of all, all gift giving is done, uh, purchased and given in the period from Thanksgiving to, to Christmas. Well, we, we have someone fairly interesting on the program tonight. Francesca Federico is here to offer us uh, some uh, interesting ways of perhaps saving money, uh, both uh, personally and professionally. But as we do with every one of our uh, our guests, we always ask them first to tell us a little bit about themselves personally. First, Francesca, welcome to the program. Thanks, Don. Well, having said that, thanks, Don. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we do anything else. Well, Don, I think we may have something in common, given the fact that we both have a lot of vowels in our last name, me more in my first. But I am the daughter of an Italian family in Braintree. And my grandfather is actually from Abruzzi. It's in the region of Salmona in Italy. And he came here when he was about 14 years old with his brothers. And they built quite a... um, a business, and a few of them in Boston. Uh, they own some construction companies, some auto body shops, a restaurant, and a winery in Dorchester. So I grew up around a lot of entrepreneurs, and I guess I wasn't the typical Italian woman. I like to cook, but I also like to work on the shop floor. You'd find me changing tires or um, doing the men's jobs, I guess. But I learned a lot from my family, and uh, currently it's led me to where I am. I own my own business, and I work with entrepreneurs and folks like my own family to help them. The number one thing they complain about are taxes, so to help them minimize taxes and just make sure that they leave the legacy they came here to create to other generations. Okay. Having said that, and uh, knowing how uh, entrepreneurs are always interested in the subject, uh, my first question is one of the most common ways that – you can save money that people uh, uh, either avoid or uh, don't take the time to implement. The floor is yours now, Francesca. I would say the number one way, uh, most people don't usually think of this. Everyone thinks of giving a gift. It has to be something materialistic or something that they can use or wear. But when you really come down to it, Christmas or Hanukkah, 
for any holiday you celebrate, it's about giving. And a lot of people have causes that they genuinely care about, and they give a lot of time through time, too, throughout the year. So one of the best ways and one of, I think the best gifts you can give is making a donation in someone's name to a charity that they care about. And it actually can also count as a tax write-off. So, you know, instead of giving someone a sweater or a shirt they may only have for a year, you can actually make a donation in their name. It will help someone else, and you get a tax benefit from it. Well, how do, are you saying that you, uh, excuse me, that if you donate money, to, uh, to, let's say $1,000 to, to a, a, a charity for, say, uh, um, a niece, that niece could then take the deduction rather than you? No, you can actually take the deduction. So say you donated $100 and your tax rate's 25%. The cost mm-hmm. to you will only end up being seventy-five, but the charity still receives the full one hundred. Okay, that, that's that's one. Uh, so uh, give, give us another. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take the time today to just talk about all these things. Okay. So, uh, okay. So you might appreciate this one. I think a lot of people do. So many people struggle what to get their parents um, and, you know, their parents, their aunts, their uncles, people that they work with. And sometimes the gift of time can be another great gift. And to be honest, it's free. It's just what you put into it. And I know coming from an Italian family, they love nothing more than to see a, a good hard day's work. So another thing that you could possibly give is an IOU. You know, you do a household chore, help with a project. Um, I know my dad always loves if I can come in and give him a few hours to help him detail some cars at his auto body shop, could stain your parents' deck. There's so many things you can give that they actually really appreciate because it frees up their time. And, you know, usually you look at your parents or you look at your aunts, your uncles, even your friends. They have everything they need around the holidays. So why not give them something where maybe they could take a night off and you could do a chore that they've been meaning to do for a while, and it would actually save you a lot of money. Uh, that's really interesting. Uh, we have a lot of small businesses. What do you? What do you? Uh, and the problem it always has been uh, for uh, for a lot of them. How do you? How do you um, uh, transfer the business from parent to child in a in a way that uh, saves money for both? That's a really good question. There's several answers to that, but I think the first way I would tackle that is you have to find out who wants the business and who's been working in the business. You know, just because you have, and I'll use my own family as an example, we have four children. I'm the second oldest. I have an older sister who's a nurse, and I have two brothers who get up every day, 6 a.m., and they work with my father and my grandfather, who's still alive, till about 5 o'clock, and they get home at 5.30. So I would consider them part of the business. I don't think the business would survive without them. So if you're transferring it from a generation, I think the father or the person in charge or the mother, they need to have a conversation with their four kids and say, you know, who really wants a part of this business? And if you do, what are you willing to put up for it? You know, maybe you get the business valued and you have to find out who wants a part of the business. Not everyone's going to want a part. So in my instance, I think, you know, my two brothers, they're there every day. It's their livelihood. So we have to figure out a way how to transfer the business to them 
make it as tax efficient as possible. But it, it really starts with who wants in on it, and then from there, you know, where do you go? Tax laws change every year, but there's a lot of different ways to strategize that. Let's talk about that a little bit, because uh, uh, yes, the brothers, uh, the brothers inherit. But how do you ensure that? Uh, how do? You, well, I seem to have an echo on this, but um, how do you uh, ensure that the the two sisters don't complain uh, that they got um, that they didn't get their fair share? Um, so the way that I would structure it, and there's, like I said, there's many ways to do it, but a good example would be, and I've used this with some of our other clients, insurance. So you can put an insurance policy on the business owner. The business can pay that insurance policy. So when the business owner dies, be it the father, the mother, or however they're tied in, then the girls can get their fair share. But you also have to be aware of, some businesses don't run without certain people. So, you know, the business may only be a value of the property, and that's what, you know, the girls may fight over the, over the boys. But coming up with a certain value and splitting it four ways, and you can use insurance to protect, you know, the boys are going to get the business and the land and the property. You have two policies on the father when he passes away or the mother. The girls get the insurance proceeds. And if it's in a trust, there's ways to structure that on the tax side. Well, you know, um, well, since both of us uh, 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 end our names end in vowels, uh, I'm, uh-huh. sure, uh, uh, I'm sure uh, you're aware of uh, a family uh, that are torn, torn asunder by all of these uh, uh, problems. Let me ask you, um, one that I run into a lot is, let's say, four children, and one child, usually a, a, a daughter, stays with the uh, with the widow mother in the house, and then the widow mother says, uh, "You can uh, when after I die, the daughter can stay as long as she wants. Then you sell the house." Have you ever run into that situation? I know someone who's run into that situation, but I the only prop the only way I could think to solve that. It's just open lines of communication, and unfortunately, and it happens a lot, that situation happens, and you come to three children fighting over the house and, you know, possibly kicking her out because they want the money. But if you have have open lines of communication beforehand, and listen, (laughs) these conversations are awkward. You know, having your brothers and sisters sit around a table and talk about when your mother dies, who's going to get to live in the house, and should you stay here, and if it's fair, they're awkward, but there's also professionals out there that will sit and have these conversations. Um, I know of a certain group that we work with called the Peer Alliance and Transition Consulting Group, and they're a family business. They sold, and it was very successful, and they work with other family businesses around these problems. But if you have a family that gets along and that happens to them, you know, nine times out of ten it's not going to be a problem. They're going to let their sister stay there. But there are other right. families the dynamic's not the same, so it, it, it comes to a head. And if there's three against one and all the assets are split equally, you know, she may have to leave the house. Hmm. Well, uh, uh, it, it's really interesting. Um, 
uh, for the last 20 years, I've been involved with uh, uh, situations like that, and they, ne- they never end happy. Uh, no. uh, and it's so sad because, you know, I'll just use my own family as an example. My grandfather, his brothers, my uncles, I mean, they've built quite quite the family businesses in the Dorchester, Boston area. And the one thing, they came here, and we worked so hard to get these up. And, you know, you guys are lucky kids that you get to work in these businesses, but please treat it like that. Get along with each other. Be open. Because it's the last thing you, the last thing they want, they didn't come here. They never wanted their children to fight. They just did it to make a living. So, you know, I, try, I enjoy working with clients that are open. I mean, you're always going to have your family problem, but, you know, you just have to be open with each other. And sometimes it really does help having an outside consultant or advisor or attorney in the room that can kind of say, all right, well, here are the different scenarios. Which way do you guys want to go? Well, sometimes uh, I've been, been been that advisor on occasion, and it, it's uh, it's really interesting. But let's get back to small business for, for a moment. We're, we're 28 days or 29 days from the end of the year. Uh is there anything people can do right now uh, to uh, mitigate the tax? Uh, at the interesting point, uh, we just completed a study uh, in which, um, and several others have as well, that uh, shows that uh, most over the last five years, the majority of small businesses have not made uh, are either at at the same plateau. Uh, in terms of um, uh, sales and profit that they were uh, three to five years ago. Have you seen that as well? And what are some of the things people can do now that they have, uh, in some cases, losses uh, for the last few few years? And how can they apply them to this year? That's a good question. Um, oftentimes I'll work with their accountant to kind of see what position they're in. But my role generally and where I started my career was in corporate retirement plans. So a lot of you'll actually sit down with a lot of business owners who may not have fully participated in a retirement plan. Um, if they have a 401K, maybe they haven't contributed to the entire plan, or the company could actually match a certain amount, and all that can go in pre-tax. But as a as when it comes to tax losses or gains at the end of the year, I usually rely more on the accountant for that. Okay. Um, uh, have you? What have you seen this year in terms of how people have? Uh, uh, some of your clients have been, uh, excuse me, uh, doing things. Have they been doing things differently? Than in the past, I would say that um, to actually, to be honest, on I would say a lot. Most clients I've talked to, you know, you see the market at an all-time high, and you know, gas prices are dropping. So people are, you would think people are feeling good, but the more business owners I talk to, and most of my clients, they're worried. Um, you know, I can't really explain it, but a lot of them are holding more cash. And at the end of the day, they just they want to save more money on taxes. So we've been looking at different strategies, different types of plans, for example, cash balance plans, 
structuring different types of 401ks, qualified plans to help them put more cash away pre-tax. But the economy seems to have scared a lot of business owners. And at the end of every year, I get the same question. How can we save more money on taxes? So I think that's where we're at at the end of every year. And when I sit down, I just, I'd just i like to talk to their accountant, see some of the questions they're asking them, and see if there's any more way we can save some money on taxes. Do you well, find, you know, that, you know, in your years of doing this, that taxes have been one of the most, you know, prevalent issues among small business owners? Mm-hmm. Uh, that and health care are the two that they talk yeah. and worry about the most. Uh, healthcare costs just, have just been, they're just, at the end of the day, they're probably one of the largest expenses for any company. I just sat with a company in Quincy, a very large company, and their biggest expense in their balance sheet is healthcare. Uh, can you repeat that one? I didn't hear. I oh, didn't sorry. hear you. I said I sat with a large company who's headquartered in Quincy, Massachusetts, and we were going over different ways at the end of the year, you know, where, where have they been spending money, where have they been cutting back, and, you know, what their tax bill looks like. And their biggest cost on their balance sheet is health care. It's just a cost. You know, there's nothing you can really do about that. But we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait till 2015 to see where that goes. Well, I just saw a study that, says, that said that even some large companies are now contemplating just paying the penalty for, for not providing health care for each employee. Because uh, it's just overly expensive. Yes. Uh, and, and now with the Republican Congress and a possible Republican president, uh, the fear that the, the the cost would rise per employee may, may be um, mitigated. It's a very interesting um, phenomenon. But you said something, something very important um, uh, when you said, what with the, at an all-time high uh, and uh, per oil uh, gas prices going down, small businesses are still worried. And that we're finding in just about every study that's come across our desk. It's not, I haven't talked to one person that's been comfortable. And I think if you actually look at this year as a whole, as a whole I don't quote me on this, but, you know, the stock market, I think, is up about 12%, and the majority of that, I would say, you know, 90, 80 to 90% of that just happened after October. Done. It's December. That's two months. So I think the volatility scares a lot of people, and they're not really sure what to do. I think people right now would much rather hang on to their cash to see what happens. And, but, you know, you talk to a small business owner, most of them aren't comfortable. Yeah, they want to put money away from retirement, but they're nervous that a 2008 could happen again. And it's it just the, the consumer confidence is not there. And especially when you get into this holiday season where a lot of people spend a lot of money. So I don't think people are spending money as so much as using credit cards and accruing debt because, you know, it may not be there, but they feel that, they you know, it's the holiday season, they need to spend, they need to do what they've always done. And I urge people to just take a look at your finances and see if there's other ways in which you can give gifts, but you're not spending $200 on a, a game or a, a TV, you know, because 
in a year, someone's not going to remember that TV. They may remember a charity gift you gave someone or time that you donated or time spent with them. Well, I think that's that's very good good, uh, good advice. Um, uh, if people wanted to reach you, how, how do they do it, uh, Francesca? The best way to reach me, uh, I'm, I'm an old-school Italian girl. I enjoy speaking on the phone and hearing people's voices. So I won't give my number. My office is 978-318-9503. But if you'd like to live in 2014, my email address is Francesca, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A, at 12pointswealth.com. Thank you, Don. Uh, 12 Point Wealth. But, Francesca, give the telephone number again, but a little slower. 978-318-9503. What uh, other um, advice would you give uh, our audience today? I would say enjoy these last few weeks because it's the end of a chapter in 2014. And if they have any worries or concerns, now's the time to bring them up. And, you, you know, you've got a fresh year. You've got a fresh start. So enjoy your family. Enjoy these last few months. And if you have any questions or if you even want to just talk, feel free to give me a call. I'm an open book. Well, you certainly sound that way today. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. Um, how long have you been doing this? So I originally started working for my family's advisor back in 2007. So I've doing it. I've been doing it for about seven years. But I always joke around and say I've been in the industry since I was a teenager because I started in this. I started in this industry and got really interested in it when I started working for my father and I took care of his retirement plan. And then I started working for my uncle and I took care of his retirement plan. So I've really been doing it for about ten years, and I enjoy more than anything. I love people. I love helping people. <laughs> I, I wanted to be a nurse, like my mom's side of the family, but I'm scared of blood. So I enjoy helping people in this way. You know, it really brings me some satisfaction. Well, uh, Francesca, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you have a great, uh, I can tell you, a great Christmas um, uh, for you and your family. And we're going to, in the new year, invite you back. Great. Thank you so much, Don. I hope you have a nice night. You too. And go Bye-bye. Patriots on Sunday. Well, uh, I can use all the help I can get. <laughs> all right. Take it easy, Don. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, she was a really terrific uh, guest. Uh, her honesty c- comes through. Uh, uh, our next guest is actually a rebroadcast of uh, one of my uh, absolutely favorite uh, interviews, uh, uh, and I hope you will enjoy it as much as I did. Our, our guest today is, is someone that we ran across at a, a, a press preview show and we thought was the most impressive uh, offering at the show. So we naturally invited Bo, Bo Lauren to join us. Uh, Bo is founder, creative director, uh, chief window washer of Ace Rivington uh, Clothes. Bo, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much, Don. Thank you for having me, and it was it was a pleasure meeting you guys back in New York, and I'm really excited to be a part of the show. Well, uh, we always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about how they got to this journey of running their own business. Wow, that's that's a good story from from this end, and you know, it definitely took uh, a lot of years and a lot of steps. Uh, you know, I'll give you the short version, but. You know, kind of my background, um, from early on, my focus and interest was actually architecture. And back in, uh, in June of 1997, my best friend offered me a job to get paid between 5 and $6 an hour to get 2% of its screen printing company. And the next morning, um, I went into some stores and I was looking at brands. And I was thinking to myself, you know what, these apparel guys are smart, but they're not any smarter than I am. I can do the same thing. So I shifted gears to pursue fashion uh, as, as an education, and I hustled. You know, um, I just worked really hard to, to meet folks and to get opportunities, and that started me in um, sort of the big box retail world when I was uh, at the beginning of my career leading me all the way up to uh, to the launch of Ace Rivington last last uh, November. And really, it came down to finding a fabric and identifying that as something that inspired me that I wanted to start the brand with. And then, uh, you know, nowadays with crowdfunding, that made the most sense for me to to get started in a small way with building a product, building a concept, and launching it online. And we did that, and we were very fortunate and very successful um, in our campaign on Kickstarter. And, uh, you know, we sold about 600 sweatshirts, and, you know, and that was proof of concept to really take the next steps with building the business. Well, I have a lot of questions, but we'll first start w- with one uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign, which is uh, very uh, of great interest to our audience, according to uh, our, our emails. Um, what did you find good about the uh, uh, Kickstarter program type program, and uh, what did you find bad about it? You know, um, the good part definitely was the outreach. And from a support standpoint on Kickstarter, once they saw the traction that we began to create through the business, they also started marketing um, our campaign, and and that was fantastic. Uh, another good thing was the support that came from uh, from the selling community. You know, we received a lot of direct outreach from uh, from blogs and from people who were interested in promoting our product. And supporting the product that was was incredibly exciting uh, and created a lot of a lot of opportunity for us um, in sales, which was great. I think one of the the challenging things was, you know, with the start of any business, it's just understanding um, how much goes into the back end of actually fulfilling the product, and uh, and those were really lessons that we had to pick up on our own as far as understanding how to process the orders, how to, you know, move the information through our accounting software, how to get it shipped, how many could we ship in a day. You know, all of those challenges were uh, 
were lessons that we got after we completed the Kickstarter project and, and uh, moved, in, moved into actually fulfilling it. Um, I'd say all in all, it was, a, it was an amazing experience, and it certainly was exciting. Uh, you know, I think the only negative is actually, you know, those real-world, real-life lessons that you need to get when you're actually doing the process. And, you know, Kickstarter can't hold your hand through, uh, through what it takes to actually get it done. They can just kind of create the platform for you to understand uh, who's been successful at doing it. And if you want to model after those people uh, or learn from different people to kind of build your own concept, you know, that's a great way of going also. Well, how did you generate the initial people uh, in Kickstarter? We'll get to your company, but you're you're a successful one, and I know it's of great interest. How did you go out and generate the initial uh, surge that got them interested? You know, I'd say, um, you know, all the way back to those days of deciding to pursue fashion, and, you know, one of the first things I did was I, I made business cards, and I passed them out with my pager number back in 1997. And, uh, you know, I hit up probably a 1,000 people in the time I was at fashion school with those business cards telling people I was a fashion designer. And with that, you know, it's really just about promoting yourself and what you're doing. And from that, I built, you know, a really solid foundation um, through my social network between LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and different platforms just to get people excited about who I was as a person. And, you know, I've worked really hard to, uh, to nurture and develop relationships throughout my career and my life. Um, so a lot of those folks were helpful in supporting me in my campaign. I'd say probably 20% of the, uh, of the campaign supporters I actually know, which was fantastic. And it's incredible to think just from having the right product that, you know, that all of those other folks who I've never met before from all over the world were uh, interested and compelled to, um, to support me by buying the product on Kickstarter. Well, um, how long have you been in business? You, you, that sounds as if you were, uh, you've been a long time in business. How long have you had this company? You know, um, that's a great question. And it was actually uh, November 11th of last year that was my last day at my previous job. November 20th, we were incorporated. December 23rd, we launched on Kickstarter. January 27th, we were successfully funded at over 200% to goal. So it hasn't even been a year yet, although approximately three and a half years ago, three and a half to four years ago, I spent about four months, you know, just nights and weekends uh, from my day job uh, building out the business plan for the concept. And I put together about a 100-page business plan that uh, that started just with post-its that I slapped up on a wall, you know, to begin kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, and that evolved and evolved and evolved. So that foundation guided me in knowing that I had a business model to build off of, uh, and really the sweatshirt was was the first product, you know, and, and that was the thing I needed, you know. I needed to find the right product that I could launch the brand with, and, and the sweatshirt was perfect for me. How did you uh, settle on uh, 
a, a sweatshirt. You know, it was, a, it was an interesting uh, it was an interesting experience. I was actually in Los Angeles working on a sourcing project with my previous employer, and I came across uh, this fabric quality and. I've worked in apparel for almost 18 years now, and I've seen a lot of fabrics. And when I saw this fabric, it definitely jumped out at me. And to tell you the truth, the fabric told me I had to make a sweatshirt out of it. <laughs> it was this just amazing, uh, super lofty, homespun-feeling French terry. And I took a cutting of this fabric. I kept it in my pocket for, for almost two weeks. And... You know, I was thinking about what I was doing, thinking, 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 and whenever I needed the confidence in knowing that I was on the right path, I'd just reach in my pocket and I would rub my fingers across that fabric. And finally one day I sat down with my boss and I said, you know what, you know, I'm super fortunate for the opportunity to be here. You know, I really enjoy what I'm doing, but I think I'm going to split. And I packed up my car, I drove home to my wife, and I said, sweetheart, and I dangled that little swatch in front of her, and I said, sweetie, this is our future. <laughs> I just quit my job, and uh, so needless to say, there's been some, some very exciting points for us in the last uh, in the last year, and you know, and back to the proof of concept with building that Kickstarter campaign, selling those sweatshirts, getting that out there, that was really, that was really the understanding that this thing could, could go someplace, and that was proof of concept for me to go back to her and say, sweetie, we need to look at selling our home to make sure that the big picture can happen, and it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. You know, we're, we're very excited to be on this adventure and, you know, believe in where Ace Rivington is going. It's definitely a fun project. Well, I have to ask the question, are you still married? <laughs> yeah, and thank you. And uh and when I when I dangled that fabric in front of her, we were actually 6 months pregnant. Oh boy. Uh, and 2 months into just having purchased a new home. So, you know, needless to say no shortage of of pressures. Um uh, but it's unbelievable. And just to be able to uh to be listening to the baby monitor at one o'clock in the morning when I'm downstairs in the studio you know, talking to India or working with, you know, my suppliers around the world, uh, you know, to run upstairs and, and, you know, be with the baby or my young, my oldest daughter, you know, it's, it's amazing to be here. The, the value that comes with being at home and being close to be able to support the family is unbelievable. Um, it certainly takes a balance in being able to focus on certain things at certain times and then take care of the family at other times, but, um, but I've, I'm kind of in my groove and, uh, I just, I'm so happy with, uh, with where things are headed, you know, and just really excited about these opportunities. Well, you know, the, when you start a business, it's like jumping off a cliff and hoping somebody <laughs> builds a swimming pool just before you land. Yeah. I just, the swimming pool's down there. I know the pool's there. I'm not sure if it's full of water or not. Full <laughs> <Over> there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And you know, it's definitely uh, not without risks uh, and challenges. But um, but I've had this vision, you know, for for a number of years that uh, that I could come up with a concept. And part of part of what's helping me with my success today is 
it goes back to the network and back to building the relationships with, uh, you know, with like-minded people who work hard and are experts in their fields. And today, I'd say there's somewhere between one and, I mean, there's probably 10 people that are helping me between one and 30 hours a week. Uh, and all of these folks are experts in their fields or in their specific roles. And, you know, and everybody believes that this thing is going someplace, and, uh, and I'm the first person to say that. And it's just, it's neat to be able to be building this vision but really the most important thing is the team. And for all of the people who are helping, there's no way that I could be at the point that I'm at without, uh, without the support, you know, guidance, um, participation, and, and, you know, and blood, sweat, and tears that, that all of the folks on the team are putting in as well. Well, let's talk about uh, what is unique about your company? Well, the, the the biggest thing is it's actually a new business model. It's called a branded content model. And what we've done is we've come up with a concept of a character. And for me, uh, in all of the opportunities that I've had throughout my career to study and learn about different businesses and to get to work for different folks, you know, one of the things that was really important for me was understanding that I'm definitely not the most interesting person in the world, and I wanted to create a character who was. You know, so this person could be the sort of figurehead of the brand. I'm not the, I'm not the in front of the camera guy. I'm the, you know, I like to organize and develop. So I came up with this character, Ace Rivington, who I worked with, you know, with one other friend on who helped me kind of flesh out the concepts, the story, and the direction. And uh, and in that, Ace is an unbelievable character. He grew up on a fly-in fishing camp in the Aleutians, learned to fly when he was 12, flying solo when he was 14, sailed himself down to Panama from Alaska, up the Atlantic to the Naval Academy where he went to school to learn to be a fighter pilot. And that was kind of the foundation of his life. Today he flies a private jet around the world and gets into all different kinds of adventures. Uh, he carries the same attention to detail in his flying that he does in his clothing and how he wears it. And Ace wears Ace Rivington clothing, fashion basics that don't go out of style. And that that's kind of, it says a lot about me. So in my apparel um, experience, my design experience working for big companies and, uh, you know, all the years that I've learned about building product, what came what always resonated with me was product that was easy to wear that doesn't go out of style. And I wanted to do that with a little twist, you know, to make it special enough, uh, but not to make it difficult to understand because you got to look cool, but, you know, but you don't need to wear the of the moment thing. This, the product I make has to be cool in my closet for 10 years. You know, so at any point you can just bring it back out and it works. So I, I kind of merged these two concepts, the concept of, you know, a character who had his own story and the concept of, you know, a full apparel collection and brought them together. So with this branded content model, you know, it's about the Ace Rivington world. And well, let me stop you right there and 
what is your website so people are listening they can go there and, and see what I saw excellent it's acerivington.com a-c-e-r-i-v-i-n-g-t-o-n.com acerivington.com and we've got our first product on there our launch product the sweatshirt that we're actually offering in six different colorways and sorry seven different colorways and uh, and then we've got our full collection that's coming out in October. Uh, everything from you know pants, jackets, denim. Uh, you know, we've got footwear that we're going to be selling with some big brand collaborations that we're doing. You know, and a bunch of fun accessories. Uh, you know, it's the full gamut of product that Ace would need to wear any place in the world. Well, uh, but also, don't you have the backstory of, of all of this? We do on your site. Yeah, and right now it's it's about the launch of where kind of Ace is getting started. So it's being set up as well as a catalog business. Our first catalog is launching in October, and it's also about sort of the destination. So Ace starts this adventure in Hollywood, and uh, we've got some of the story of where, you know, kind of Ace is flying into the city and, and what he's thinking about the people and the the places that he's visiting and getting all tangled up in his story it's it's a neat place to uh, to get started so with this destination guide you know it kind of takes you through Ace's backstory and where he's headed in the adventure well uh, well now let's go to the products themselves um, because the reason you're on this program is uh, our editor who is quite knowledgeable in this area said uh, you have quality, uh, what she was impressed with was the quality and the direction of it. How do you obtain that quality? You know, um, I've got I've to lean on the, uh, the years of experience to help me understand the kind of product that I wanted to make. And, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to come out with a brand that was uh, within contemporary price points and, you know, Affordable, uh, but with great quality, and part of that is building the right fabrics. Part of it is using the right manufacturers, uh, and part of it's doing the right finishing. And from the you know the nearly 18 years that I've been in this business, I've come up with uh, with a nice list of manufacturers and suppliers around the world who have gotten to see me develop in my career. These folks believe in me. They believe in where I'm going. And they were the first ones to raise their hands and say, let's give you a hand bow, let's help you out with, with making this product. So, you know, I've got everything from woven shirts. I'm, I'm making woven shirts. Uh, I've got, you know, the Homespun French Terry collection, denim, chinos, and so on. For, for the sweatshirts that we're actually producing, we're making them in Los Angeles. We're actually milling the fabric in Los Angeles. We're producing the garments in L.A., and believe it or not, we're actually washing the garments twice before they get into the consumer's hands. Um, there's something real important for me about fit, and there's nothing that upsets me more than going and finding a great product and bringing it home, and you know, and finding that it's been washed and you know, and now it's smaller or it's shrunk. And you know, so I took great lengths with that with our sweatshirt to start to make sure that um, that I would correct those issues before they, they happen for the consumer. So, 
you know, back to the quality issue, it's just about, it's about knowing the right suppliers. It's about having the right background and understanding. And um, that applied experience is invaluable for, for being able to, um, to do what I've done. You know, um, just knowing the right places to go, knowing the right questions to ask, those things alone have helped me so much in, um, in getting this business off the ground. Well, let's talk about price point. You say um, uh, you said about the right price point. How did you arrive at what you consider the right price point? You know, it was a lot of it was a lot of studying. And if you think about something like a car, for example, and if you're in the market for buying a car, you know, you go through the list from from top to bottom of all the kinds of brands and and model types that you think you're interested in, and you probably narrow down to a few models that you think uh, you're most attracted by, you know, and you're attracted by those models for specific reasons, because of their price, because of their quality, because of their features. And I did that same exercise with the entire collection to figure out the price points, quality, features that I wanted to be able to have in my products. So, you know, there's no... uh, no secrets about looking at brands out there that that are successful in their business models. And there's definitely some inspiring companies who have worked hard over the years to get to a certain point that uh, that I aspire to be like. And in that, you know, they've actually helped me identify the price points uh, within the contemporary marketplace uh, where I want to sit, you know, because I'd like to be able to have, uh, you know, a broad target market come to buy my product, Um, but I want to make sure that I can give them the best quality possible. So, you know, our sweatshirts are not inexpensive at $98, but there's an enormous amount of value, especially for a made in Los Angeles product within the sweatshirt. Uh, Our our beautiful woven shirts that, you know, are made of uh, 60s singles, you know, 100% cotton ring spun yarn construction, which is a real a real special way of saying nice, soft uh, shirting. We're making those shirts in India, and I've got great suppliers there who are helping me with that. So from 58 to $68 for our woven shirts, you know, it's, it's a reasonable product. We've got beautiful, uh, super soft, um, washed T-shirts that we're making in Portugal, and we're retailing those guys at $34. So... You know, kind of a nice range of product, you know, and in addition to the bottoms that we're doing, you know, we're also working on some, some neckties, bow ties, pocket squares. Um, you know, we've got a broad range of, of special products that, uh, that we're bringing into the collection. And for all of them, we're trying to keep it uh, at the most reasonable price point we can. Are you, are you um, going, trying to go into uh, uh, retail outlets as well? You know, we're definitely taking small steps in that direction. Uh, we met with a number of retailers uh, recently, and, you know, in, in that, you know, we're starting to look at small specialty boutiques who we can participate with to get in their stores to be uh, to be a part of the story that they're helping to tell for us. And... You know, and that's important. You know, I'm not looking for, uh, I'm not looking for big wholesale partners yet. Uh, not until year five, uh, but in the short term, 
we really want to build the relationship with uh, with those small specialty boutiques out there that are a good fit for the brand and um, to help tell Ace's story and also to help promote the businesses of those stores, you know, where we'll send out a banjo player and a keg and have a little event in their store and get their customers excited about the Ace Rivington brand. That's definitely, definitely something that we have on our radar. But the direct consumer selling is also a very important part of it. Um, that affords me the ability to pay for that keg and that, you know, and that banjo player at that little wholesale store and to keep the lights on. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, benefits that come from the direct uh, selling model, and that's certainly something that we want to take advantage of today. Well, uh, are you doing this all on your own, or have you found uh, partners? You know, currently, uh, from a financial standpoint, my partner is my unbelievable wife. And, you know, and what we're doing is we're taking the steps to build this business, uh, to be sustainable, to develop uh, at this point, you know, um, with the support of the right marketing and right steps we're taking to create brand awareness, and internally from uh, from a growth and development standpoint, you know, we've got a, a really incredible foundation of um, support from the team, and you know, it, again, it must be between one. It's about ten people right now who are helping me. Um, between one and 30 hours a week, depending on what their specific uh, role is. And that's unbelievable. So it's all about the foundation. And, you know, I'm excited for us to get to a point with the business development to be able to look at what the next steps uh, for financing are going to need to be. But I'm also hoping from a cash flow standpoint that we're able to uh, develop this into a sustainable model that doesn't require uh, any, you know, any big cash infusions uh, because we're able to just keep it floating from, you know, from our internal sales. And that's where products like the sweatshirts are so important. Uh, the Ace Rivington Homespun Sweatshirt or Homespun French Terry Sweatshirt is, uh, is what we're targeting to be approximately half of our business for this year. So, you know, it's got we've got quick response on uh, development out of Los Angeles, and we're really um, staging that to be something that uh, that we can get fulfilled in our inventory in a quick way. And we're also looking at scheduling out our marketing to coincide with uh, with our in stock positions. So, you know, the last thing that I want to do is send out a bunch of marketing without having inventory on hand to support you know, the fulfillment. So we're looking at all those things to um, to try to be the best service possible for our customers and, you know, and to get people as excited as possible about uh, supporting the brand. And the name and your website again for our vi- uh, listeners? The the name of the website is acerivington.com, A-C-E-R-I-V-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. And we're also really out there on social media. So between Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Tumblr, Google+, uh, we're, on, uh, we're on all of those platforms. And the fun thing that we're doing with social media is we're telling little pieces of Ace's story in slightly different ways across different platforms. So following us on Twitter and following us on Facebook 
you might learn different things about the brand as the story continues to unfold. We're talking with Bo uh, Lauren. It's Ace Rivington. Uh, it's a, fa- a fantastic product. Um, but more importantly, it's an interesting story, and that's why he's here. Th- any last words, Bo, for our audience? Thanks, Don. I'd like to say that, you know, that this is definitely uh, a passion project. You know, Ace Rivington as a character, you know, as this inspiring pilot who flies all over the world to get and gets into these adventures, you know, with a twist on romance and treasure hunting and, you know, uh, a little bit of humor is a really, really fun character. And as a business, our goal is to get the consumers to fall in love with, with Ace Rivington and just to want to be a part of following in his adventure. And in support of that, we've got an incredible apparel collection. You know, at acerivington.com, you can see what we're up to and uh, and be a part of it. You know, it's really a fun business, and we're definitely telling a great story. It's been great talking with you, Don. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And uh, come back uh, in the new year and tell us how you're doing. That's great. I'd love to do that. Uh, thank you. What else can I say but uh, go to the website. I think you'll find it as fascinating as I did. That's great, Don. Thank you. AceRivington.com. A-C-E-R-I-V-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.